Hey, hey, welcome back to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're at episode 90 and today I am talking with founder of Audacious Empires, Leanne Woff, all about how you can create a killer launch plan. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're learning how to create an epic brand, find the right marketing strategies, and building your business is a constant evolution, classroom, and lab. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing with special guests and solo episodes to help you build your business brand and big idea. Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast. It is awesome to have you here. As always, I hope that you are well, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, whether you're in the car or you're on a walk or you're just hanging out in your office, you know, I love to hang out with you and I love it when you share where you're listening to the podcast on Instagram stories as well, because then I can share it too. But hey, we are back again for another week. This month, we are talking a lot about launching, but I just think no matter what you do in your business, there are always some great tips that you can get from my amazing guests. I also want to say thanks for your feedback on the Q&A episode that I did last week. I had so many people say, will you do it again? That was awesome. So yes, I will do it again. I am always happy to listen to whatever it is that you're enjoying um, and answer your questions whenever I can. So yes, 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 I will do it again. But today I have got Leanne from Audacious Empires. She is the driving force behind Audacious Empires and happens to be the unicorn you've been searching for. She's an award-winning online business manager, a bookkeeper, an avid business networker and connector, a systems junkie, a tech lover and a mother of two sets of twins. Yes, you heard me right. And she has an uncanny ability to spill every single cup of coffee she attempts to drink. Leanne is an empire builder's secret weapon. Her and her talented team are the thinkers and the doers combining strategy and implementation. Audacious Empires supports epic women and world changers by being the clone they need, managing their launches, courses, podcast memberships and more. And Leanne is a much loved community member of Brand Builders Academy as well. It has been incredible to see her go from strength to strength to really find her calling of the women that she wants to work with. She's recently rebranded to Audacious Empires, which I friggin' love. And I'm excited to have her on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about all the good bits about launching, what's not so good. She's going to be sharing all things about launching goals and measuring your launch success, useful resources that she shares with her clients. And she's also going to be sharing a freebie with you as well. So I'm excited to dive into this episode because if you're not aware, I am currently in my launch and Brand Builders Academy online course, which gives you the structure, systems and strategies to scale your business and your brand is now open for registration. So when this episode goes live, which is the week of the 20th of January, 2020, 
This is the first week that I am launching. It will be open for a couple of weeks. And then day one of Brand Builders Academy next live coaching round starts on the 10th of February. So if you want to work together for eight weeks where I will help you to get your mindset, your systems, your strategies and your business structure absolutely humming so that you can grow, scale, get more confident and really step up as a CEO in your business, then make sure that you head to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash BBA. Yeah, and check it out. Or you can jump on one of my free webinars, which is theconnectionexchange.com forward slash webinars, and you can register for any of those. But hey, without further ado, I want to dive into this week's episode so that we can talk all about amazing launches. So let's dive in. Leanne, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Hi, Suze. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I literally just said to Leanne, how did we meet? Uh, because I feel like you've kind of been in my life and in my business world for quite some time now. So we kind of, I think, pinpoint around about 2015 that yeah. we connected. Yeah, absolutely. I was total fangirling. <laughs> Which was feels like forever ago, but anyway, uh, and I have watched your business grow and I've watched you develop and uh, just do amazing things, which is so exciting to see because you've kind of been at a lot of events and you were part of the Exchange of Membership and you're part of Brand Builders Academy um, and you've just recently rebranded. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Which is super exciting. When is that being released? So this podcast is coming out in January 2020. So will it be out by the time this goes live? Yes, it will. Do you want to share or are you keeping it a secret? Well, it'll be live, so it won't be a secret. No, it won't be a secret. We're rebranding to Audacious Empires. Oh my gosh, I freaking love it. Yes. So just explain a little bit because, you know, we love, we love all the brand lab stuff, which is like, I was this and now I'm this and why. So what have you been? So traditionally, I was a virtual assistant, assistant when I started my business. And I got into this industry because I was incredibly frustrated in my corporate job because it's like to do any kind of improvement, it had to go up multiple levels and people just didn't want to do things more efficiently or systemize purely because that's not the way they do things. And it's too hard because there's yeah. too many people that have to get involved. Yeah. So from that frustration, um, I learned about the VA industry and thought that's what I want to do because then I get to pick where the improvement happens. Um, So I've done that. I did that for a few years and just really realised that I wanted greater responsibility. I wanted to use more of my strategic brain. I wanted to be a key player in helping people build empires. Um, And I'm super techie. And I have really strong digital marketing foundation. So they're all the key things that set an online business manager, which is what I identify as apart from a virtual assistant. Yeah. And I think that when I sort of talk about it as well, that's what I think of an sort of an OBM as is that a VA is probably more somebody who does what you need them to do. 
and then an OBM looks at your business more strategically and is more proactive in what areas can be improved, what can be done, and they kind of help you to identify those bits while you're doing your your zone of genius. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think too um, that there's a lot of VAs out there that are actually online business managers but don't identify that way and that causes confusion because then when you're working with a client, they don't know whether you want to be um, given kind of an outcome so can you just make this happen, go and do it, come back to me when it's done and a VA would be like, yep, cool, no worries, leave it with me versus an online business manager where the client would say to you, here's my business, I don't know what to do next. Yeah. So it's a different kind of expectation and there is confusion around it at the moment. So I totally see you as an OBM. I think you're really strategic in the way that you look at things, which I love because, you know, I'm all about the strategy, uh, which is really, really good. And like you said, you are really techie. But so your business has been called Virtual Infinity before now. So why did you decide to rebrand? Why did you decide to change the name? And like, what was the catalyst for that? Okay, so when I started Virtual Infinity, number one, it's got the word virtual in it. So, And that was when I was identifying as a virtual assistant and I didn't want to create more confusion. And then another point is that I have a team now and I'm really, really big on personal development and learning things purely because I'm obsessed with learning new things. So I invest in that a lot. And then with my team, each of them has does the same kind of PD and they each have their zones of genius. And so it's like, it's not really fair to say, yep, come work with me because it's not me that you get. It's me and all of these other brains. Um, So I wanted something that kind of represented more than just who I was before because now we're a team. And then um, audacious empires. So if you look into the word audacity, and this is the bit that I love. It means bold, brassy, brave, edgy. And then it actually, there's some definitions where it's like, if other people were to look at you, they would kind of go, oh, you're a bit reckless. <laughs> but for you, it's not reckless. It's actually thought out. You're just bold enough to express it. Um, Talking so, my language, lady. So yeah. good. When I saw when I saw you drop that into the BBA group, I was like, I love that word. Audacious is an all. So it's like formidable. There's like formidable, audacious. They all go along with like bold, which I think is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's like bring it on. Yeah, 100%. And then empire, like audacious empires. Let's talk a little bit about hashtag empire builders and how you've identified who you really want to be working with and who those people are. So for a long time, I was doing the whole, who is it? Like where, where's my sweet spot where people get the best from me? And it is actually, I've identified them as empire builders because they're people that are invested in their business, that want to scale, that want to improve, that want to develop new things all the time, that speak, that do books, that do all of these things. And I'm quite experienced in all of the behind the scenes of that. Um, And then I kind of found that that was my place, not only because I have the skills, but because I was, again, getting quite frustrated with people that weren't like that. And it's like, if I have to chase someone because, you know, they love their business and they're just plodding along and that's how they're keeping it 
and that's what they want their life to be, that's cool. But for me, it's just frustrating because I don't want to chase you. I want to like, what's next? Let's go. Be so with when- people that are really driven to grow their business and build their empire and it's kind of, it's sort of like people with online courses, memberships, like you said, maybe they're speakers, they're authors. So people who are really kind of going big with their brand and their business and what they're doing. And you're like the perfect person running it all while they kind of do what they do. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Love it. I love it. You know, I love it. So (laughs) we could talk about this for a lot longer, but this month, which is January 2020, I actually am doing quite a few episodes around launching sales pages, going big, all that. So when we chatted about this particular topic, which we're talking about today, which is creating a killer launch plan, I was like, that's what I want to talk about. Uh, Because I think that it's a really great time to talk about it as well. I think that a lot of empire builders, hashtag empire builders, and if you're listening to this, then make sure you share it and tag yourself as an empire builder. We would love to see that. Uh, But I think that we're really in planning mode for how are we going to make 2020 the best year so far? Um, And what are some of the things that we really need to be thinking about when it comes to this? So I'm excited to dive into this topic. Well, hey, me too. (laughs) So good. All right. So if we're looking at the launch space at the moment, I'm seeing a few things and that is that there are some, say over like the last 12 months, there's been some really, really great launches going on and people getting quite creative. Uh, And then there's been some really terrible ones, which is, um, and it's not that they in themselves are terrible. It's just not thought out enough. So there's people that will look at Marie Folio and see the way when she did, um, school launch and she was everywhere so Denise Duffield Thomas Amy Porterfield everyone was talking about b-school and over the last 12 months I've seen empire builders go I want to do that getting advocates and affiliate marketing and doing all of those things but to do something like that it has to be really well planned and then on the flip side there's the Um, empire builders that are trying to launch that have created this like diamond in the rough kind of awesome offering and then because it's great and it is different to what's on the market they're kind of it'll it'll sell itself but it won't if people can't see it it's not going to sell and um, a lot of people get caught up in just the doing of the doing every day and then they don't realize how much planning there is in a launch And when you don't plan it and you kind of just go, oh, I better talk about this today on stories, you're not going to get the traction that you need to get. Yeah. Awesome. And so when we are thinking about a launch and planning it out, what are the key things we need to be thinking about? Like how how do we go into that process? Where do we start? Yeah. So I always tell my clients, you start with your goal. So If you've launched before, look at that, look at what worked well, what you loved and look at the bits where you're like, oh, that needs to be fine tuned or I'm never doing that again. Because then you've got a basis. If you haven't launched before, it's a matter of setting your goals. What's your financial goal? What's your bums on seats goal? How many places in this course 
do you want to sell? How many books do you want to sell? Like actually get down to the tangible figures because then you can say, right, if I can sell two books using this marketing method then and then for doing this way and this way, you can map out how to reach that goal and that kind of informs the rest of the launch plan. So that's where you start. One of the things that I did that I'm not sure I've done it before, but I really enjoyed it is that I gave myself a goal. I've got my whiteboard in my office and I wrote down like how many people I wanted in. So I wrote down the numbers one to like 35 or whatever it was. And I was, and so every time somebody joined, I wrote their name down and I hit that goal and exceeded it. And it was, yeah, which was amazing. But I just kind of feel like when you've got a number in mind and you're working towards it, I feel like the energy you put behind it is different because you know whether you're close or far or like how it's going. Whereas when you don't have a goal, you just kind of like, you know, finger in the air, lick your finger, put it in the air and see what happens. So I think that was something that I would definitely do again. And I really loved it. It gave me a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the bonus of that is if you are like nearing the close of your launch or even halfway through and you're like, I have no, like, I'm nowhere near that number. You can have a backup plan and you know that that's when you can implement it. So it kind of helps you gauge how you're going along the way as well. Yeah. And so when it comes to, I guess, measuring a launch success, so say you've got your goals. So would it just be number of people? Are there, what other goals would yeah. you have in your launch? Yeah. So it's not just number numbers. It's not just financial numbers and it's not just people. It's the enjoyment level. So what did you actually like doing in that launch and what just made you feel ick on the inside, therefore you didn't do it very well? Yeah. Um, because it's better if you do more of the things that kind of, set you on fire because people are attracted to that. Um, So it's looking at that side of it. It's also looking at how much time you invested into this launch. So it's like if every launch you go into and you're completely recreating the wheel, then it's consistently going to take you that long. But if you systemize and process as you go, then each launch should take you less effort and be less time-consuming and stressful for you. Um, So I always tell people to measure that as well. Um, And then to evaluate how your audience felt. So launches for customers, they can be quite confronting because if they aren't planned well, your audience will feel like they're just getting a lot of random information thrown at them. They're trying to work out where they're meant to go or what they're meant to do or what it is that this person's always talking about. And then the flip side of that is if it's done really well, they're excited with you. They see that you're excited about something and they want, like they want in. And so if the process is clear, they're like, yep, cool, done. They've signed up, they've paid their money. They know when it starts, I'm happy. Yeah. So I always use that as another way to gauge if a launch is successful or not. Cool. And would you just do that? Obviously you can gauge that through sentiment on socials, but uh, what about through feedback and things like that? Like how else are you measuring that? Yeah. So when you actually get signups for whatever it is that you are launching. So like a wait list or the actual sales? The actual sales. So once people have signed up, normally people will have a, how did you hear about us? Where'd you come from? kind of thing. Um, 
And then I always say that when you're doing a launch, know that you're not just launching this launch because there will be people who will get caught up in the hype, who will see you for the first time, who will all and be really interested that aren't ready to commit yet. And, but they're not just lost. They're the people that are going to join the waitlist for the next round. And so it's like you're putting the seed in for round two. Um, It's not just what we're doing right now. And so then when you can get those people to join a waitlist, you can measure that too. And then you can ask questions of that waitlist in terms of, you know, what was your concern in this round? Okay. All right. Great. And so we start off, we take a look at what our goals are, um, how we want to do it, plan it out. So that would be things like dates. So when you're going to launch, what your pre-launch strategy is. Do you have any thoughts around pre-launch strategy? So before the cart is open, what are some of the things that we can be doing? Yeah. So in my opinion, the pre-launch is more important than the launch itself. So it's like you want to get people committed and excited before you even open that cart. You want a wait list that has lots of names and you want to love and show value and do all that in a pre-launch. And in the pre-launch is when you start talking about what's coming up, why you created it, what what are the benefits of what what you've created and what are the people going to get, which I think this is sometimes it's missed and I think it's like sign up for this and at the end of it you'll walk away being more confident which will allow you to scale your business Mm. 10x like actually give the people because it shows your motivation as well and and people by people so it connects you um and I think something that I that I think it was the first time I did like I've had uh video testimonials before for Brand Builders Academy but I did a Instagram video which got a lot of traction and a lot of DMs and comments um and I want to up that the next time around where I'm getting like quantifiable so people sort of talk about yes like I grew my business etc but I've now got people that are like I made X amount of money. Like, and I'm just like, that is, because obviously that's why we do courses. It's why we learn is so that we can financially grow our business as well as our confidence and our knowledge. But I think that those quantifiable things when you are either in pre-launch or launch, I think is super powerful. Oh, I totally agree. And that's another thing that um, is really important when you're planning out a launch is identifying the main objections And it is looking at what your audience is a bit scared of. Like it's their hard-earned money or it's their time or whatever that big investment is. So what are the things that they're actually thinking about and weighing up? Because quite often having somebody else come up and say, well, this was my experience and it tackles that, it then gives them that assurity and helps build the trust factor, which a lot of the time is just what they're looking for. They're happy to sign up. They're happy, they want to do it, but they also don't want to be um, sort of caught out or red-faced because they made the wrong decision. Yeah, for sure. And I do think that there is a, there can be a culture of just purchasing and then not doing the work. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's something that people are scared of as well, which is why like, I like, you know, like BBA has got lifetime access and I always say to people, you're never behind. Like even if you implement one or two things first time round, you're like killing it. So I think those sorts of objections uh, are something that if you have a course, 
is something to address because I do feel that some people do have course fatigue or they've bought and not finished before. Yes, yes. Or they sign up for a course and there's a whole lot of the um, the why and the what, but not a lot the of how. the how yeah. or it's too jargony and people are just like, I tried and I got nowhere and then they don't feel great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just talking about um, all the support that people are going to get if you do give that, I think is a really big one as well, because I think that's the other thing is that people sometimes like they want to be pushed. Yes, precisely. And it's sometimes it's pushed and it's also encouraged. Like I know for me, I often get caught in the micro detail and then I just need somebody else to tell me what matters and what doesn't matter so I can keep going. Yeah. That's all I need. And that will make me more happy than anything else. Yeah. So that's, that support is a key thing. And that support starts from when like pre-launch and in launch, having someone man your little chat bot on your website, it will make a big difference because then they feel like you're actually there. It's not just you selling things randomly and you know, you're asleep and PayPal's going off. There's someone there to help you if you need help. I'm supportive. And if they see that, they expect that that's going to continue with what they're buying. So yeah, you- that's the little, that's, that actually is a really good segue into useful launch resources because uh, the chat bot is something that I'm looking at for next round as well uh, so that we can hopefully answer questions pretty quickly. I mean, saying that I feel like my Instagram DM is that chat bot during a launch uh, because all of the questions come through that, which is fine. And then I'm answering them as we go. So it's funny. We'll see. I'm looking at putting it on the website, but I do find I get loads of questions in DMs during a launch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So useful launch resources, yes, definitely have a little chatbot. And then, like, if you look at the digital... Like, what week- chatbot do you have? Like, what ones Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's all different ones you can get. So there's, like, plugins that you can get to put on your website, things like Zendesk. There's things like Intercom. Mm-hmm. Um, there's systems like Help Scout. And that actually integrates not only, it's not just the chat box, it's like you can create a page with FAQs and that all feeds through. So if the person says, hey, I'm just wondering if you have a payment plan, it'll bring in that FAQ to tell the person, yep, here are your options. Plus then it still has the option, are you still confused? Send us a message here. And then you can reply to that. Love it. So good. Yeah. Plus then a lot of the CRMs, they're starting to catch on that this is this is the new thing. People like this. So a lot of them are pulling in a feature that will do that, that you can link to your website or your landing page. Um, so I would always look there first because if you're already paying for it, then you may as well see if it's got that functionality. So I think Active Campaign has got it. I think it's like an extra $9 a month or something. It's called Conversations. So I think I tested it when it came out, but I haven't looked at that. So that's interesting. I kind of didn't even think about that again. Uh, But yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then usually if it's in your CRM, they're quite clever and it'll keep that data. So if you're talking to that person through Conversations, it's going to keep it with the rest of their information in your CRM, which is always useful when you go back. Yeah, especially if they were on the wait list anyway, like that that may be where the questions are coming from too. But yeah, okay, great. What other resources? Any other resources worth noting? Yes. So have a launch checklist. They're everywhere. You can Google them. You can create your own. But even just having all the steps that you need to take in pre-launch, launch, 
post-launch because it gives you a really quick overview of this is what's done, this is what's not done, and it makes it less overwhelming for you because things are broken down. So do you have a launch checklist that people can grab, Leanne? I do, but it's not out yet, Suze. You have <laughs> to wait be- for the rebrand. <laughs> But it'll be out by January. Yes, it will be out by January. Okay, so we will have the link to Leanne's checklist that you can check out in the show notes. So make sure that you head over and you grab that too because obviously you're going to need it if launching is something you're doing this year. Yes. Um, And then the other thing, some of these are quite obvious but necessary. Use your Google Docs or your spreadsheet or wherever it is that you feel good when you dump information to help you remember things. Use your calendar, whether it's paper, online, whichever one you want, but so that you can map out those key dates. It's so important to have them with the rest of the things going on in your world because quite often you don't give, you don't pay the attention that things need because they're not there for you to see. So if you've got five events in a week and you're meant to be writing seven email campaigns, I don't think it's going to happen. But if it was in the calendar so you could see, you'd see that before it even got to that. I need to create a new plan. That's not going to work. So I think having all of your key information together is really useful. And then the other thing is having something like Asana or Trello or Monday as project management system so that you can see where you're up to in your launch, where you're up to in your pre-launch, what prep's been done, hasn't been done, so that you can stay on track easily. And then things like that mean that you can template and then next round you just copy that again and off you go. And the other great thing is that, and I talk about Asana a lot, it's a free tool. I mean, you can upgrade, but I think the free tool is amazing. And I've been using it for about four years. Uh, And I just assigned everything to my different team members, which is fantastic. And yeah, you can calendarize it and all the rest of it. So I think that, yeah, using tools like that, especially when they're free, like why wouldn't you? Exactly. That's And my thing is never pay for something if you don't need to pay for it. If the free one is going to do what you want and going to do it well and you're comfortable in it, stick with it. Don't do the shiny object syndrome and go, oh, this would be cool one day and just pay for something. Use what you've got. And then the other thing is with launches, a lot of people will be sending um, waitlist automations or they'll be sending, you know, sales email series and things like that, but they don't automate them they don't put it in a sequence it's like please 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 put them in a sequence it might cost you you know a bit extra money to upgrade your mailchimp so that you can do that and have the automation but it will save you so much time than recreating even copying each single campaign each time because then at the end of the launch you copy that whole automation again you change a few details next time you're good to go And it just happens. There's none of that, okay, it's 10 o'clock. I have to go in and send it now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also when you're in a launch, uh, I think that, and I've kind of done it both ways. So early in my early course days, I was doing it more manually and it was like, it was very dependent on how I felt at the time as to whether the email went out, which is crazy uh, because it takes you sending the email for people to buy. So I think that, you know, when you automate it and you're prepared and planned, it really takes the emotion out of it and you're just, you know, 
setting it and off it goes and does what it's supposed to do. And if it doesn't work or, you know, whatever, then you can go back and review and see what you could have done better. But yeah, I would definitely say take it out of your hands because I think a launch period can be quite an emotional drain at times. Uh, So automating as much as you can and outsourcing what you can, I think is huge. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think too, if you can automate some of those bits, it means that you can be more responsive to what's happening in your audience at the time. And so if you see something, you think, ah, this is what they're concerned about right now. I'll jump on, I'll do a live. You can't do that if you're still in the nitty gritty of trying to remember what email has to go when. Yeah. Um, and the other, the key resource is please have someone there on the day to support you while you're in launch mode, while you're selling. It doesn't even have to be like, you don't have to outsource. You don't have to hire someone, get your best friend in someone there. So that a, if it goes, you know, bananas, there's someone that can just jump in and help. Or if something doesn't go to plan, there's someone that can rationalize because you'll be, you know, your stress level will be through the roof because quite often you can't think clearly when you're throwing something unknown. Especially when it's a tech issue. Especially when it's a tech issue. Whereas somebody else, they're a little bit detached. So they'll be able to go, no, 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 let's just do this, go, done, and then we'll reevaluate it later. So that would be, yeah, a very important resource is another body (laughs) I love it. Very good. And so you know that I am all about brand experience. So how do we give our audience the best experience when we're in a launch? Okay. So the first step, it's a lot like all the other aspects of marketing is think about your audience first. What does it mean for them? What, how do they feel? What are their objections? And give them detail. Tell them this is how much it's going to cost you. These are your payment options. And this is how much time you're going to have to invest. Because for some people, it's not money. It is time. And it's, well, I don't know anything about this subject. Is, you know, is this book going to be right for me? Is it going to be over my head? Is this event going to be good for me? Or Am I just going to feel like an idiot? Like you've got to give them the extra detail and it makes them feel secure, um, which is always the goal. These people are important. They're your people. Yeah. Um, The other thing is to be supportive and tell them if you have questions, this is how you can ask them. This is where you go. And then people will do that. But a lot of the time they won't ask because they don't know how to ask. And then that's not a great feeling either. What do you mean they don't know how to ask? So if I'm looking at a landing page because I watched Suze's story about BBA and I thought, oh, she seems cool. So I'm going to see what it is and check it out. And I go to your landing page and I'm like, oh, is it closed? Can I not get in before 2028 or will there be a new round? And then I'm looking and there's no obvious chat box and it's like, well, Do I email or do those emails just go to spam? Do I Insta DM because I watched her story? Tell them what the boundaries are because that's another thing. People quite often now don't want to cross your boundaries. Some just will, but some are like, if you tell me how to do it, I'll do it. And I want to be a pleasant customer as well. So it's sort of like just have, if you've got any questions, email us at. So just give them a very clear directive that this is where you can go if you need to speak to us. Yes. If you don't have a chat box on your website. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, 
The other thing is visuals. So no, it's not more important than the content. It's not more important, like it's more important for you to do a video than have a pretty video. But have consistent branding because again, it makes people feel safe, makes people feel like, no, it is you, they can trust you, everything is consistent, it's as they expected. Um, because when you're learning new things, and it might be you're learning about an event that's coming up, like it doesn't have to be knowledge, knowledge, the less that you have to compute in your brain of new information makes it easier for you to absorb the information you're reading. Yeah. So you want to make it easier and it's looking at, all of those touch points where you can go, okay, if this was someone else, get your best friend to sit at your computer and pretend to sign up for your thing. Where are they getting stuck? Like, let's just make it super easy for people um, and let's be supportive. Yeah, no, I like that because I think that sometimes we're just so in the process that I mean, I do think about my customers and what they need to know when I try and make that on the sales page. But yeah, and I guess like I assume people will contact me, but it's not an obvious. No, it's not. And you've got to remember too, when you've created something and you're selling it, you're you and you see you as just you, but someone else that doesn't know you, they can be intimidated or they think, oh, this person is amazing and maybe they're way out of my league. So you've got to kind of give them the opportunity to be personable and relatable and no, 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 this is for you. Be my people. Um, <laughs> it's true though. Um, I know I do it. Can you just move your mic down? Oh. That's all right. I'm just getting a bit of air. <laughs> just speak. Hello? No, no, you're too soft. No, just I'm kind of put soft. it here just so that it's not right <laughs> on your mouth. Is that better? No. Speak again. Hello? Hello? Yeah, better? that's probably better? okay. Yeah, you might just, just speak up. It's just when you yeah. breathe into it, I get a breath. But all good. Okay, so did we, so was there anything around best experience? Um, yes. Okay, so what else can we do to give them a really great experience? To be different. And to be different is knowing your audience. If you know that your audience are crazy pineapple lovers, then put pineapples in the email. Send the first 10 people that sign up a pineapple. <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> but it's true. When you know your audience, if you know they're makeup lovers, if you know that they um, love being outdoors, they're plant people, give them analogies, give them metaphors that go back to those things. Like use that information and they will feel like they've been heard and they will love every bit of it. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to that surprise and delight, isn't it? It's really, and it doesn't always have to be expensive or anything like that. It just can be something little, but it's just saying, I'm thinking about you and I appreciate you choosing me and being part of this and welcome and, you know, feel amazing and excited about the decision that you've made. So yeah, I'm a big one on that. Oh yeah. Like if we go back to when I first joined the Exchanger Academy and you gave me that little bar of chocolate <laughs> that had a printed the connection exchange wrapper on it and it was lint on the inside. I still dream about that chocolate. Like that can carry around <laughs> I'll with send you, you some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but it's true. 
Yeah. And I just think, I do think that we, we're in such a digital world and it can be a lot of work to do those sorts of things. Uh, I know Erica and I spoke about this ages ago when she made the decision to send t-shirts. Yes. So this is Erica, the queen of confidence. And she's like, I didn't actually like weigh them and cost it before I made that decision. <laughs> she's like, oh, well, I'm in now. Um, but but, you know, that's been massive for her from a social yeah. sharing perspective is that when people get their T-shirt, the first thing they do is put it on, take a photo, hashtag her or tag her. And, you know, people want to be, you know, I always say people don't just buy products, they join communities. And so I think that you've got to think about when you're doing a launch, what is the community that they're becoming a part of? And is there an identifier that you can potentially give them that can, you know, make them feel part of that community. Oh, absolutely. It's like if you walk into a conference and there's, you know, 20,000 people, you find one person that you kind of know and all of a sudden you're best friends. (laughs) It's true. It makes you feel like you belong and it's one person in 20,000 just because you had that thing in common. Yeah, awesome. That's so good. What's next in our launching? In our launching is knowing why knowing your launch purpose and how that will bring you in more sales. What do you mean, Leanne? What do you mean? What do I mean? What am I on about? So when you go into your launch, know who you're speaking to. Know if you're speaking to more than one audience because sometimes you are. And then know um, what you're headed for. So it's like in this launch, I really do want to have 30 people. Or I really do just want to get more people on my list and be aware so I can help this kind of person. Knowing those parameters when you go in, it's like it becomes your focal point. And then because you're clear in the way you communicate that, because that's what you're thinking about, you'll get better traction and people will start to get attached to that message. If I start telling people, yeah, I want 35 people this round, guys. I want 35. We're going for 35. Hey, guys, we're up to 20. All of a sudden, everybody else is going, I wonder if she's made it to 21 yet. Like even things like that where it's front of your mind, it's front of their mind, they can see where you're going and they know your purpose, people get attached to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always say it with the podcast as well. It's like when I wanted to do X amount of speaking gigs or X amount of podcast interviews and I said a number, then the community got behind me and they were like, have you thought about this person? Or they recommended me for a speaking gig or things like that. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's making your audience a part of the mission. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's very rare that somebody creates something purely just to make lots of money. Yeah. It's to solve a problem, a genuine problem people have, and that's what they're selling. So they want you to be involved and they, and people see that and go, oh, she really cares about me. Yes, I want to help her, but so I'm going to do this and see if we can get two more seats. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> What's next? What's next is going back. So once you've been through your launch, Go back, review, look at what worked, look at what didn't, even if it's in stages throughout your launch. So if you're in pre-launch and you realize that something hasn't worked quite well, quite well, document it down, write it on a sticky note somewhere so that once the crazy period is over, you can go, oh yeah, that happened. How can I change that next time? And then looking at the numbers, look at your metrics 
So I was just about to say, I've been a bit rubbish with my conversions lately because I've been doing so much social stuff. It's kind of like normally they say that you get about 1% or 1% to 2% of your list, but I feel like the majority of the sales this round didn't come from my list. So those conversions were a bit like I was like, I'm not sure what to measure. Yeah. Yeah. But even like if you were to look at that, you could look at what you did last time or what you did between when you were close to this launch. Because were you directing people to your list to sign up? Because then when you talked about it in your campaigns and things like that, they would have been from your list. But if you weren't doing that before, well, they were never on there. So it's yeah. going to skew your metrics. But it is looking at, okay, all of your social metrics, the outside of social metrics so a lot of people will get up get caught up in okay i'll do this on facebook i'll post this video on youtube and i'll do stories every day but what outside of that can you do like talk to people and use all the different areas of traditional market traditional tradition i don't even know how traditional traditional (laughs) (laughs) marketing that you can um so you know Connecting with people, doing direct marketing, things like getting on other people's podcasts, getting in front of the audience that actually needs your solution. Um, You know, just thinking outside of the box and look at how all of that works. Go back and go, okay, I did this and I got another 100 people on my list. Maybe I didn't convert them this round, but now they're on my list. So I want to check next time, once they know me a bit better, if they did convert. And seeing what kind of media you're putting out that people are actually responding to. So my question to you is, just because I know who you're working with as well, is that where are you seeing the shift or the change? So I feel like traditionally the list has been the most important thing. And I still think that it is super important. I know that I was listening to, I can't remember who, uh, interviewed her or was talking about her but somebody was saying that b school's been going for so long marie folio is super successful and they were saying because she's been going for so long what has been the main thing in like the last 12 months that her and her team have been focusing on and they all said list building so obviously it's still super important no matter where you are in business but obviously social selling is right up there now with you know, attracting your audience, building your brand, converting sales. And so what are you seeing? What do you think about that? So what I think about now, you you must understand about me to understand where I'm going is that I am people come first. I'm people all over. Um, So if there is in any situation a way to connect with a person, a way to love a person more or hear a person, that's where I'll be. And then when I'm looking at things like this, At the moment, the market is flooded. There's events, there's books, there's courses, there's memberships, all the things. And people get quite sceptical. And so what they want is to be able to trust somebody. And it's so much easier to trust your friend that you talk to every day than it would be to someone that speaks to you once every three months when they flick you an email. Or even if it is just once a week in your email campaign, build that personal relationship, that trust. It's not a factor anymore. They already know who you are. You wouldn't lie to them. You wouldn't, you're investing your time and your face 
in them consistently. So it's more about building those relationships and finding out about them. Like that's another big thing. People tend to get quite good at showing up on socials at events in like in person, online, however you want to do it. But they make the mistake of not actually engaging with their audience. Tell me what it is that's going on with you. And then remembering, oh, her dog just died. Hey, how are you? Are we over the dog situation? Things like that. <laughs> that's it's a true. bit harsh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm summarizing. <laughs> um, but things like that go a long way with people. So I think that, yes, you need a list because at the end of the day, if Facebook decides to charge us $100,000 to be on Facebook and all your Facebook connections are gone, what have you got left? That can't happen with your list. So it's like it is part of it, but it is not the whole part. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, And I also think just with the pre-launch, I'd be interested to know like what kind of lead time have you seen or do you recommend with a pre-launch? Obviously I think you should be doing stuff all the time, but just, you know, when you know that you're coming up to a launch, what sort of time frame are you starting to plan out specific uh, communications or automations? Yeah. So I like to have everything done a month before things go out. So I know I've got all my campaigns written. I've got them set up. The systems are sorted. I've planned out the days, all of those things. So once it gets to that month of four weeks until we open cart, everything, all the main components are there. They're ready because then I can focus on extra opportunities because I know that all the normal things that I have control of are ready to go. So I would always encourage people not to get caught up in the last minute fluster, even if you are super comfortable with launching. Um, And then I know people that only start planning two weeks before open cut. And in my opinion, it's never going to do as well because it will be rushed. There's only, you know, you are only you and you can only do so much and your attention can only go so far. So having kind of as much of it done when everything's a bit slower, I think you'll get more traction because you can be responsive in the lead up. And you've got time to review everything and make sure it's as you want it to be. And yeah. Yeah. And you can test the tech. Very important. (laughs) Bloody tech. Uh, But yeah. Okay. I think the other thing that I sort of have heard from it, just a list building and getting uh, more people engaged is sort of three months before as well with, I guess, any list building activities like Facebook ads and things like that as well. So I think just when you're thinking about your launch, I think your launch strategy needs to start six months, three to six months before you actually launch. Yes, exactly. And it's a little bit of that when you're launching, remember that you're not just launching for this one. So when you're launching, you're constantly launching for the next launches. You're going to do that anyway, but also be really conscious about what your opt-ins are. If you've got a 28 day challenge and somebody gets that, you know, two weeks before you open cart, by the time they get to the end of that, then the launch is going to be closed. Like we're done. So it's thinking about all the different ways that people come to you and then knowing at how many touch points or at what stage of their journey do they usually convert? 
are they at that point where they're like, yep, I need that? Yeah. Um, because that too will help you with your time frame. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Awesome. And then once we, is that everything for pre-launch? Is there anything else we need to be thinking about? No, they're the, they're the main things. Awesome. And then how do we kind of wrap it all up? <laughs> wrap up launching? <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> what's next? So we've done our pre-launch. Yeah. So we want to open our cart and want to say, hey, guys, we're here. You want to specify how long your cart is going to be open for and do not lie. So scarcity, it is a massive marketing tactic and it works, but it doesn't work if it's not genuine. And a lot of the time I'll say to um, my coaching clients, so people that are coaches, you need to tell them what the actual facts are. The fact is there's one of you and if you're going to run this call and there are a thousand people on that call, the call's never going to end. So what is the limit? Like there will always be a limit and articulating that um, because that's honest, but not just saying, no, I've only got 10 places. And then once everyone signs up, there's 40 people on the call. Like then just people feel jaded. Yeah. So it's being honest in all of your things. So in your launch, you want to tell people the parameters. You want to tell people what's coming up. You want to um, make sure you stick to any bonuses that you offer. and also give people parameters around that if you're offering if you're offering an upgrade of some kind and they won't have access to that material for another month just tell them that people are super cool if you give them the details before they're not if you give them to them after <laughs> yeah and i um i mean i've got that on my sales page as well that all bonuses will be delivered after the refund period uh but then it's also in the course so like in the intro it's like bonuses this is how it works, you know, that sort of thing. So I think just multiple, having it in multiple places because I also think people skim so they don't always see everything. So I think, yeah, that's really important as well. And also things like refund periods yeah. and policies, like have it, be really clear about it. So important. Yeah. And I think too, because in majority of circumstances, it'll be similar things that happen. So if you've got a policy in place, then when somebody contacts you about it and you say, well, this is actually what you signed, people are generally pretty good. It'll just be kind of the odd people that you then kind of have to get creative with. Um, the other thing about your launch period is that the ideal, what, what the marketers say, the ideal launch period is, is four to seven days from open to close. Um, because after that, it tends to drag on. But remember who your audience is and what things you have in place. Because if you're, let's say you've got a launch open and it's going to go for 14 days because for 10 of those days, you're going on a retreat with all the people that you expect to sell whatever it is to, then yeah, you might want a little bit of a buffer. So look, be practical and look at your audience, but generally the rule is four to seven. Um, and know that usually the start, so the first couple days will be busy because people on the wait list have been waiting and they'll come and buy. And then the very end. So the middle is usually when there's a bit of a lull, but the start and the end are the crazy bits. So don't plan too much around that because then if your tech doesn't behave and that's what tech does, you can be present and you can deal with the situation and not have everything massively derail. 
So I talked about this in episode 84, which is breaking the rules of business. And I think that there's like, so for example, somebody like Kate Toon, she sells her course out pretty much in like 24 to 48 hours, which is amazing mm-hmm. uh, with her Facebook group and wait list, et cetera, which is incredible. Uh, and I know that a lot of people say five to seven days. Mm-hmm. I followed Erica's lead and did three weeks. <laughs> I was like, stuff it. I'm just going to do it. But then we did do different bonuses in different weeks, which spoke to different people. So some people were like, I definitely want video marketing made easy. Other people were like, yep, I want content strategy sorted. Other people wanted the one-on-one. And then we did the fast action bonus on the webinars where basically if you bought on the day that you were on the webinar, then I would do a video recorded brand review of your socials on your website. And so, um, and the webinars worked really, really well. So I think that it's good just to try different things, see what works for you, see what works for your audience. I think that there's kind of different ways that you can do it, but I, you know, there still needs to be a beginning and an end. And you don't want to go for too long, otherwise it's fatiguing for you and it's fatiguing for your audience. But I think it's also good to just to test things out as well because I was like, that feels really long. But then when I was in it and every week we were getting great signups, I'm like, this is awesome. And also what happened is that because the cart was open for longer, as people joined, they were sharing that they were joining and then people they knew were like, what is this? And then they would like get on a webinar or they would follow me for the next week and get on a webinar and then they're like, I'm in. So the lead time to conversion was really short with some people as well who had literally just found me because somebody that they knew had joined as well. So I think it's really interesting just to see the way that the market's changing um, and what you can try and test and that's Oh, I am 100% on board with all of that. I think that sometimes we kind of go, okay, this is what the statistics say. So I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And, you know, it's four days, it's seven days, it's blah, blah, blah. And we get too caught up in all of that. And which, which place should I put the button? It's like, yes, Those things matter, but it's not the focus. And I think sometimes you get stuck with that being the focus. And a lot of the time too, because there's a shift, people by people. So if you're doing things differently, people are generally going to be okay with that. And that's going to be exciting because you're not cookie cutter. Yeah. And I think that, I think it also depends on the energy that you bring to it as well. Yeah. So, you know, if it feels desperate. Yes. then don't do it for three weeks. But um, if there's a lot of excitement and energy and a lot of different things happening, like it's people are always like, what's next? And what, you know, what else is she offering? Or when can I jump in? Or no, I'm definitely like, I had people that were like, oh, I was going to join next round. But now that you've got that offer this week, I'm actually going to join now. And I was like, awesome. (laughs) So so I think you can just have fun with it and try different things and see what really resonates with your audience. Oh, play. Yeah, Definitely 100%. So Don't good. be scared to do that. Yeah, that's so good. Anything else that we need to do when we're in the launch or when we're closing off our launch? Um, Not particularly. It's more just showing up. Yeah. Don't go, okay, pre-launch is over. I've done my marketing. Bye, guys. Like, <laughs> stay there, continue, and don't feel bad if you're saying things that you said before because not everybody sees everything not everybody hears everything I always say they didn't see you or hear you say that on Tuesday at two o'clock so you can say it again it's fine (laughs) yeah 
It's true. And keep yeah. people up to date. If you are nearly at your limit and it's, you know, two days before you're actually meant to close, say, guys, I've only got five spots left. I'm going to have to close early if we reach them. Because somebody who's thinking, no, no, I'm going to sign up tomorrow. I'm going to sign up tomorrow. They're going to be very disappointed if it gets to tomorrow and they're closed and you're closed and they had no idea that was even coming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is awesome. Well, we are going to have all of those tips and you're going to have to go over to the show notes because that was a lot of stuff, which was <laughs> so good. Because I think all of these things you've got to be thinking about when you are in launch. And I think that it's, you're right, like to be able to set something up well at the start so that you can duplicate it down the, down the line and be able to measure and tweak rather than start from scratch again and again is just like how you should be operating really. Um, yeah, I just think that so many people are launching, like you said, there's so many courses and memberships and stuff like that, that I think that having either a team or a person to support you is also really important too. So Leanne, where can people find out more about you or connect with you? Well, at the moment, if it's Remember, January, this is, this is going to yes, be in January. <laughs> if this is January, come to audaciousempires.com or you can Insta Audacious Empires or you can Facebook Audacious Empires. I'm there, baby. Come talk to me. I'm such a people person. Tell me who you are. Tell me what your best friend's name is. I'm in. <laughs> That's so good. Well, thank you so much today. That was great. We will have all of these uh, tips in the show notes, plus Leanne's details, plus the checklist that you can go and grab from her as well. Thanks, lovely. No, no worries. Can I add one bonus really important tip? Yeah. Okay. So my bonus thing is do not be afraid of the word launch. Okay. <laughs> I find that people get really put off because launch is like, oh, it's a thing. It's like, no, it's a solid plan and a strategy, but it's not this big scary thing you'll never be able to achieve. Totally doable. Yeah. And, and I also think you find your groove. Like I had launched a lot of, like quite a few times and I was like, meh, don't love it. Now I'm like, when's the next one? <laughs> so I think you do find your groove and I think you've got to, like everything in business, you've got to test and try and live it and see how you, how it works for you. And I think that launching is exactly the same. Exactly. And if it all goes to, um, you know, if it all fails, you'll end up like Amy Porterfield with a really awesome story about how badly you failed and then you'll be a quadrillionaire. So <laughs> That's totally a thing, people, a quadrillionaire. <laughs> well, on that note, quadrillionaire, uh, we're going to leave it there. If you've got any questions, uh, then let us know. But obviously, we would love you to share this on the gram in stories and you can tag uh, Leanne and I at Audacious Empires and at Suze Chadwick. So thanks, Leanne. Thanks for having me, Suze. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Leanne is so full of knowledge. She is an absolute gun when it comes to launching courses, membership, podcast management, all the rest of it. So if you are an empire builder, then I would highly recommend that you go and check her out. All of her links will be in the show notes. Uh, which you can go and see on the website at the Connection Exchange forward slash podcast uh, and also get 
that freebie that she is providing as well, which I think is going to be amazing if you are looking to launch as well. But listen, that is it for another week. Remember, if you want to come and join the conversation, then you can always come to my free Facebook group, which is Bold Women in Business. The link will be in the show notes as well, or just head over to Facebook. You can follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us. I feel like I'm really falling over my words today. But anyway, listen, the music in this podcast was created by Declan DP on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.